God still appoint people to do his work, or did he stop at just the original 12? Well, today I would like to share three things with you about God and the way that he still appoints you and I to do his will. You, my friend, have been redeemed by Christ. Your redemption was paid for at the cross, which then leads you and I to an appointment with God. If God's calling you to go do something, go do it. God has set you aside. Step into that calling and step out of your comfort zone. He's called you and I to reach the world. You are listening to Entrusted Ministries with Pastor T.K. Anderson of Compass Church in Monterey County, California. In today's program, Pastor Anderson will be speaking out of Mark 316. A quick reminder that in May of 2024, you're invited to join us on our trip to the Holy Land. We'd love to host you and be your guides as you experience the land of the Bible. All the information is available for you at entrusted.tv. You'll also find information on how to get his new book, God 316, 10 Ways God Shows Us His Love. So with that, let's jump into today's message with Pastor T.K. Anderson. You know, every now and then you have an opportunity to meet somebody unique, somebody special, somebody who really is in tune with what God wants to do in their life and in the world through their life. I had an opportunity to meet somebody this week by the name of Hal Donaldson. Hal grew up in San Francisco, California, and the son of a pastor. But when Hal was uh, 12 years old, unfortunately, his parents were hit by a drunk driver. His father died in that car accident, and his mother was seriously injured. And to make ends meet, the family had to go on welfare. He said, I experienced the shame of poverty, Donaldson says. I had holes in my shoes and clothes. And when you're teased in school for being poor or walking into supermarkets with food stamps, you feel less than other people, and you just try to escape it. Well, he managed to do that. Donaldson went on to college. He earned a degree, and he turned his focus to making money. I went through a period where I was self-centered, he says. I was just trying to claw my way out of insignificance. The problem is, in trying to escape that life, it's easy to neglect others around you. See, I was the guy that would see a homeless person and I would cross the street on the other side. My focus was on climbing to the, to the top instead of trying to help those climb with me. Well, in 1990, Hal was 33 years old and he found himself in Calcutta, India. He actually was writing a book on behalf of somebody else about feeding hungry children. And he ended up meeting and interviewing Mother Teresa. Hmm. She was so humble, Donaldson says. Well, after their interview, Mother Teresa had a question for him. Young man, what are you doing to help the poor? He thought it was not a good idea to lie to Mother Teresa. So he told her the truth. He was young, had just gotten his degree in journalism, and he really wasn't focused on helping other people. Well, with a smile on her face, Mother Teresa simply looked at him and said, everyone, Hal, can do something. And those were words that struck a deep chord into the heart of Hal Donaldson. In fact, they're words that changed the trajectory of his life. Just this year, according to Forbes magazine, 
The ministry that he founded is now in the top 50 charities in the entire United States. So how did Hal go from Calcutta to Forbes over the past 33 years? Well, you'll have to wait until the end of the message for the conclusion of this story. But for now, I can say this. Hal finally came to a place in his life where he understood that God had appointed him to something big. God had something for him, something larger and bigger than anything he ever could have imagined on his own. Something actually in part and connected to the deep loss he experienced when he was 12 years old. And sometimes, friend, that's how God works. The greatest tragedies in your life end up being some of your greatest triumphs. It was an appointment to share the love of Christ with those who are experiencing loss in their very lives today. So here's the question for us to consider. Is it true that God appoints you to do his will? Well, according to our next 316 story, the answer is yes. Let's take a look at Mark 316 up on the screen. And Jesus appointed the 12, the 12 meaning the 12 disciples and the 12 apostles. And to Simon, he added the name Peter, Mark 316. So this Bible verse actually brings up a little bit of a question, a little bit of a debate, and that is, does God still appoint people to do his work, or did he stop at just the original 12? Well, today I would like to share three things with you about God and the way that he still appoints you and I to do his will. Let's begin by first understanding when God retains you, when God retains you. So if you have your notes, go ahead and fill that in. Now, retaining top talent uh, in our world is costly, right? Whether it's the world of high finance or the world of chasing championship titles, winning costs money. I looked it up in this uh, year, according to U.S. News and World Report, Wells Fargo actually paid their top executive $24 million in 2022. J.P. Morgan Chase reported it paid its chief executive officer $34 million in 2022. Now, if you think that's a lot of money, they're dwarfed in comparison to the top talent in sports. The top three players in sports are Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Patrick Mahomes. They together have combined contracts in excess of $1.7 billion in multi-year deals. Just those three guys. Messi and Ronaldo, of course, are famous for their athletic talent on the soccer field. And I think most of us know Patrick Mahomes. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL and, again, is going to another Super Bowl. But these examples, (laughs) we got one Kansas City fan. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is your moment. (laughs) There you go. Awesome. I'm a Bears fan. If the Bears were going to the Super Bowl, you'd all know about it, right? (laughs) And another one. Perfect. There we go. We got two. But it's interesting because these examples show us that retention is not cheap, is it? It's not, it costs money. However, here's a thought for you. I want to challenge you. When it comes to your spiritual life, I want you to remember that God spared no expense in his quest to retain you. He did. In fact, you would be overjoyed if today somebody came up to you and offered you a multi-year, multi-million dollar contract, wouldn't you? Sign on the dotted line, $10 million for the next five years. Wouldn't you be happy right now? I would be, that'd be kind of cool. But here's the question. Do you get equally excited about the reality of Christ paying the ultimate price 
for your spiritual freedom. Hmm. See, there isn't enough money in the world to equal the price that Jesus paid for you and for your redemption. Twice Paul reminds us in the Bible in 1 Corinthians that you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So you're bought with a price. Go do something about it in the way you live your life. A verse, a chapter later in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. In other words, break out of the mold of the world because of this. Break free from these things that are holding you down. You, my friend, have been redeemed by Christ. Your redemption was paid for at the cross, which then leads you and I to an appointment with God. So here's the question. What has God appointed you to do? See, whatever God is calling you to do, I want to encourage you, go do it. He's appointed you to do it. Don't wait any longer. God has set you aside to do his work. It may be in this community. It may be he's sending you to another community. It may be he's going to send you overseas as a missionary. Who knows? If God's calling you to go do something, go do it. God has set you aside. Step into that calling and step out of your comfort zone. He's called you and I to reach the world. The next thing we learn is that God renames us. He renames us. That's in your notes. Go ahead and fill that in. Now, where am I getting this from? Well, if you go back to your text, Mark chapter 3, verse 16, it says, And Jesus appointed the twelve, and to Simon he added the name Peter. So why did Jesus do that? Maybe you've bumped into this before and you're wondering, why did he rename him from Simon to Peter? Well, in Bible times, biblical names actually had, um, let's say, a deeper meaning than names today. Today, we kind of name based on trends, maybe what sounds good. If you're like me, I pick names that no one could make fun of my kids with in school, right? Did you do that? You don't want to give your kid a weird name and then everybody makes fun of them, right? They didn't do that in biblical times. They found deep meaning to go with the name. And when God renamed somebody, which had happened many times throughout the Bible, the name change often signaled a significant shift in the person's life. There was something about the person that was about to change or something in their character or nature. Simon, for example, means a hearing, where Peter means a rock. And renaming Peter a rock was a much better description in relation to what Jesus was about to do in his life. Peter was not going to just be a hearer. He was going to be a doer. If there was a Home Depot back in Peter's day, Peter would be Home Depot, the doer, the way people get things done, right? You know the Home Depot? That's Peter. He's not going to be a hearer. He's going to be a doer. He's the rock. You know, it was Peter who first proclaimed Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God. We find that in Matthew 16, 16. And this very confession is the truth upon which the church is built. Eventually, Peter was also considered a leader among all of the apostles. He was one of the top, and he carried a significant weight of that calling. And so he needed to be a rock, a strong foundation. So this idea of Simon Peter, though, for us today is actually symbolic as it relates to believers becoming new creations. So here's what I mean by that. The Bible reminds us in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17, that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, God has given us a new nature. The new has come. So when God makes you and I, as a Christian, a new creation or new creature, what kind of changes do we see? In other words, how does God rename us? I want you to look at this verse in Ephesians with me to look at how Paul describes it in one of his letters to the Christians in Ephesus. Here's what he writes. 
He says, you, before Christ, used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. In fact, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that he gave us life. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So you can see there's this process. There's something God's wanting to do with us. It's as if he's renaming us, making us a new person. So the first thing that we find in this passage that changes is your identity changes. Your identity changes. What does that mean? You see, before you and I became a Christian, the world identifies you a certain way, usually by what you did. You're this or, or you're that. You, you've done this or something was done to you. Therefore, you're labeled that thing. And for some, they've been labeled something unimaginable. And people struggle with this issue every single day. It's no surprise for you to hear me say that we live in a culture of chaotic identities. We really do. It's one of the ways the enemy is just wreaking havoc among our culture. You see, the Bible teaches us that our identity as a Christian is rooted in Jesus Christ. You have an identity based upon whom God says you are, not what those around you say. My identity, your identity, is not based on what you've done. It's based on what has been done for us on behalf of Jesus Christ. Our nature, the Bible tells us, is transformed by Jesus. It, it, the Bible explains that we get connected to heaven. And what that means is we begin to see things differently. We, we, we begin to see things in a, a different light. We have a, a life that is filled uh, with the idea of glorifying God in our actions and our attitudes. Our attitudes towards other people change. We find a new love for our family and our friends. We, we concern, are concerned and compassionate for our enemies, things we never would have done on our own. We have a love for humanity. We discard the old ways and we adopt a new way, a way created in God's likeness and God's righteousness. We become a reflection of Jesus to the earth. That's changing your nature. You and I can't do that on our own. Here's how the Bible explains it. In Colossians, <clears throat> he writes, Paul You've gotten rid of the person you used to be and the life you used to live. How many of that's happened to you? You got rid of it. Yeah. And he goes on in Ephesians and he says, put on the new nature, created to be like what? Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And only God can do that in somebody's life. But that's an appointment, a calling that God gives us. It's a supernatural transformation that's appointed by God. Okay, now that we've learned that God appoints us by first retaining us, and then we just learned that he appoints us by renaming us. What's the third way God appoints us? He appoints us by reclaiming us, when God reclaims you. Hmm. What do I mean by that? <clears throat> well, in thinking through this 316 story, it's pretty obvious that Peter is the center of the story. And Peter went from being, uh, let's say, a blue-collar fisherman to being a world-class traveling missionary in his life in three short years. I mean, if you're Peter, uh, it would have been an amazing journey because uh, he saw blind people see again. He uh, witnessed sick made well. He watched Jesus confront religious leaders of his day. He saw lame men walk. He saw dead people raised to life. He experienced for himself walking on water, viewing the transfiguration, the feeding of 5,000 people and many other miracles. It would have been an amazing journey for those three years. 
Yet Peter, if you know the story, like so many of us, at the end of that journey, he went backward. He lost his spiritual edge. And ultimately, Peter denied Christ. Not once, not twice, but three times in a relatively short period of time. You see, the Bible tells us that after Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was put on trial, and Peter was confronted by a lowly servant girl outside of the courthouse. And because of fear, Peter actually denied that he knew Jesus. Actually denied it three times. And soon after that moment, the Bible explains that guilt flooded his heart. Sure enough, though, three days later, Peter raced to the empty tomb and he was overjoyed when he discovered that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead. It was an awesome experience. But there's more to the story. We're missing something if we don't get the full picture. And John captured that for us because according to the Gospel of John, even though Jesus appeared to Peter after the resurrection, something still needed to be done. And we discover it in John chapter 21. Go ahead and write that down, John 21. What we find in John 21 after the resurrection is we find Peter and the other disciples fishing on the Sea of Galilee. This is after the resurrection. Peter actually had gone back to his old way of life. But Jesus wasn't finished with Peter. He called out to Peter from the shore. Peter recognized the voice of Jesus, and he jumped in the water, and the Bible says he quickly swam back to Jesus. And Jesus welcomed him, and they sat down, and they had a beautiful Denny's breakfast. <laughs> Eggs, bacon, and fish. <laughs> Maybe buttered toast, who knows. <laughs> During their time together, Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. Some of you know this story. And all three times, Peter said, yes, Lord, you know, I, I love you. Some speculate what was going on here. It wasn't Jesus who, who needed to hear Peter say he loved him three times, but rather it was Peter that needed to hear it for himself. One for each of his three denials. But watch this. I want you to see this. At the conclusion of the conversation in John 21, in John 21, 19, Jesus simply says to Peter, Follow me. Follow me. Now, some of you might remind yourself, remember what's going on here. You might have caught it. These are the same two words that Jesus told Peter at the very beginning in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Follow me. Wow. What's happening here? Well, I think it's kind of simple. I think Jesus is reminding Peter that he's still called. Peter, don't go back to the old life. Peter, you're still appointed. He's directing Peter to reclaim the calling that God had on his life. I mentioned to you earlier that I was a part of uh, a meeting this uh, past week with a group of leading pastors. And in one of the meetings, this discussion of calling or God's appointment upon a life came up. And the most memorable comment shared with the group was simply this. Sometimes... The most spiritual thing you can do is just show up. Just show up for God. And I thought it was very powerful because it's very simple. Because what we're saying here is don't run from your calling, run to it. Don't walk away from your calling, walk with it. 
Don't hide from the calling God has on your life. Go pursue it. And each one of us has a calling from God upon our life. And if you think about it, Jesus simply showed up on that historic morning with Peter. Peter thought it was a meeting about breakfast, but that's not what Jesus had in mind. Jesus had one goal in mind, and that was to get Peter back on track, and he did. He did. How about you? How about you? How about your life where you sit here today? Do you need to get back on track? Were you once in a better place with God than you are today? Did you mess up and lose your spiritual edge? Has that happened to you? You see, when God appoints you the first time, it's a calling that stays with you throughout time. I want you to remember that. That's important. Because God doesn't change his mind on your calling. God doesn't change his mind on you. He still loves you no matter what you've done or what's been done to you. God's not up in heaven saying, oh man, I guess I really messed up on picking that one. That one's a loser. He's, he's a failure. How did I make that mistake? That's not what God's doing. That's not how it works. Let me show you this powerful verse, Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. It's in your uh, uh, notes as well. For the gifts and the calling of God are what? Irrevocable. You know what irrevocable means, right? Can't be canceled. It's uncancelable. It's a locked deal. It's a fixed thing. You've been retained by God. It's a contract written down in the Bible, sealed by the blood of Christ on the cross. It's a contract. It's irrevocable. You've been called. God wants a relationship with you. He has an appointment with you to do something with your family and with the world. He wants to connect you with himself. He wants to use you to minister to your family. And he wants to connect you to minister to the world. That's it. That's your appointment. And it doesn't matter what you've done because it's not connected to what you've done. It's connected to what God did, what Christ did upon the cross. God's already decided on you. In his infinite wisdom, he's already determined that he wants you on his team. How do you like that? God signed you up, gave you a jersey. You're on his team. And you get to win the Super Bowl every year. How's that? Spiritually speaking, of course, right? You see, that's not going to change. You don't get off of God's team once you're on his team. You may go back to old fishing. You may go back to your old ways. But guess who's going to come find you and going to restate you, reinstate you? Jesus. He's not giving up because it's not based on our actions. It's based on his character. It's based on his character. Don't go back to feeling down, depressed, disappointed. Listen, friend, jump out of the boat. Go get with Jesus and go do it today. He's not going to reject you. He's going to embrace you and reinstate you. Why? Because he's appointed you. That's why. He's picked you. And the one thing that you need to hear me say today to you is this. Walk fully into the truth that you serve a God who appoints you. Understand that truth. And when you connect your life to that calling, you can sit back and watch the fireworks because, friend, it's going to be spectacular when God works through you. So some of you may be wondering, how did Hal Donaldson get from Calcutta to Forbes magazine? Well, Donaldson returned home from India after his discussion with Mother Teresa with a changed perspective. He packed up his car and he hit the road. He traveled to eight cities in America and stayed on the streets for three nights 
in each city. He spent time talking with people who were homeless, people who had turned to prostitution, and those struggling with addiction. And he just simply listened to their stories. My heart broke, he said. I knew I could no longer just live for myself. Inspired by Mother Teresa's words and the stories he heard, Donaldson loaded up a pickup truck with $300 worth of groceries. He drove around Northern California, handing them out to anyone who needed help. As word got around, his operation grew bigger. It grew from a pickup truck to a box truck to a semi-truck to warehouses. And in 1994, Hal created the nonprofit organization Convoy of Hope. Today, Convoy of Hope works with communities across America and around the world. Their focus is on feeding children, empowering women, helping farmers, and disaster relief efforts. Hal says that people tell us we've given them hope. I think that we underestimate people. I think we underestimate what we can accomplish and what God wants to do in our life. He says, I experienced poverty, but I also experienced kindness. It can transform lives. God wants to help the poor, and he's looking for people who are willing. Hmm. You see, when you meet Hal face to face, you instantly know that you've met a man who's walking in his divine calling. So I want to encourage you through his story to stop worrying about what you've done, stop worrying about what you've missed out on, and start moving forward into what God has for you for your specific calling. And every day, friend, you delay. Every day you delay on God's calling in your life is a day of blessing that marches right on by you. So my question for you in closing is, are you ready to embrace that calling today? I hope you are, because God has appointed you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's message. I really hope it's given you inspiration and has strengthened your faith. Remember, no matter the challenges that you may be facing today, God's always there with you, and He has all the resources you need to overcome them. Let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, we pray for everyone listening in today's program, and we trust in your goodness today and your greatness. We ask for your protection and your provision in our lives. We pray that you bring peace to our hearts and our minds, no matter the situation we're facing. And we serve you with all of our hearts and ask for your blessings upon all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for that prayer. And as we end today's broadcast, if you feel God leading you to support this ministry, please go to entrusted.tv and you can find all the information you need to keep this ministry strong and growing. Thank you in advance for your generosity. And remember, for a gift of any amount during the month of September, we will send you a copy of Pastor Anderson's newest book, God 316, 10 Ways God Shows Us His Love. We really hope you enjoy it. We will see you next week at this same time on this same station.